What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunked. It's your boy Scott here, broadcasting to you live from the Last American Vagabond Studios in historic Franklin, Tennessee. I'm excited here. I got a fantastic episode. So apparently, me and my guest are a little bit sniffly today. So <laughs> sorry, got to bear with us both. So I'm uh just getting like I almost got hit with a cold. Like it got right up to where I felt like I was gonna like get sick, but then you know I took care of myself, and now I'm feeling pretty good, but still a little bit sniffly. But I'm feeling almost 100%, so it ain't no thing. And you know what it was? I was out. I was at a job. I was out planting a bunch of flowers and plants. I was in the sun, hands in the dirt, and I think it cured me. So there you go. If you guys start to get sick, just get out in the sun, get your hands in the dirt, and you'll be feeling much, much better. So um, just real quick before we get into it, guys, I just want to tell you real quick how you can come support the show. Um, let's see here. So... First off is the website. So if you go to rebunk.news, that's the main website. If it's your first time there, there'll be a little window that pops up that you can sign up for email alerts. And I want to encourage you guys to do that just in case, because you never know, man. Like, I don't know how long I'll be able to be here or be with you guys on any of these social media platforms. So the best way to stay up to date with the show, well, a couple, a couple of ways. We'll get into it, but definitely sign up for the email alerts. Uh, secondly, when you're on the rebunk.news website, you'll see all the video platforms we're on. Uh, Rockfin is kind of the main place where you're, will you where you'll be able to catch the live streams uh, as they happen. Um, but uh, also on Band Video, Odyssey, Rumble, and BitChute. Um, let's see, we're on all audio podcast players. So go ahead and subscribe. You know, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, that way you can listen on the go. And also a great way to support the show for free is to go in and give like a five star review on Apple. Uh, Spotify, and then leave a review on Apple. And um, as, as those come in, I'll, I'll try and highlight them on the show so you can get a shout-out in the show. Uh, also, premium content over on Subscribestar. Um, I'm, uh, it was brought to my attention that the last post, part two of my journey eastward, well, there was no audio file attached to it. So I'm going to try and rectify that today. But you guys, great way to support the show. Five bucks a month. Hop on to Subscribestar at two subscribers right now. Hoping to get to three, maybe by the end of the broadcast. If anyone wants to step up and become a monthly subscriber, that would be awesome. Uh, subscribestar.com forward slash rebunked, and I'll uh, get some more premium content to you guys directly. And also, the t-shirt shop, uh, rebunked.news forward slash shirts. Now, this is brought to you by Big Frog T-shirts in Beaverton, Oregon. They are a local t-shirt shop who are, they're a bunch of truthers. They're on the level. Um, they help me develop this webpage. They help me with the designs. Um, we've got Several awesome, really cool designs. They're 16 bucks, you guys. 16 bucks, that ain't nothing. So we got compliance is violence, can't depopulate an idea, icy false flags, we are many, they are few. Of course, the rebunked logo drawn by uh, at bags draws on Instagram. He's got all kinds of amazing artwork, so definitely go check him out. So shout out to bags. But uh, yeah, and then also at the at, back to rebunk.news. Tell, so here's all the links to the social media. The best place is Telegram, t.me forward slash rebunk pod. That's where you get the instant uh, downloads as to when I'm going to go live. Um, so telegram is probably the best social media place to follow. And then at the bottom, of course, there's any value for value donations. If you just want to do a quick, like, you know, debit credit Venmo donation to the show to keep the show going, I'd very much appreciate it. But all right, guys, without further ado, uh, we're going to get into it here. So my guest today is Corey Haig. He's the author of the fantastic new book. Uh, hold on here. Let me get Corey in here. Uh, come on. Where's he at? Hey, what's up, Corey? Howdy. Hey, how you doing, brother? Doing pretty good. I got no allergies, but I'm going to push through. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. So, so Corey, you have just, this is an amazing accomplishment. Like your, your book is fantastic, man. It's called Unveiling a Better World, Deconstructing the Veracity of the American Fable. And this book is no joke, you guys. This book is no joke. I'm really excited to talk to Corey about uh, the book itself. But before we get into that, Corey, why don't you give us a little background about yourself? 
Like, give us your story here. Sure. Um, so I'm kind of a chameleon. I, I've done a lot of different stuff with my life. Um, right now, I've been, well, for the past three years, I've been focusing on this book pretty heavily, but yeah. I've also uh, just started a family. I have a three and a half year old. Oh, man, um, congrats. So that's that's taken a big role in, uh, in my life. But um, I've done a lot of stuff. I would say the most important thing, the thing that I identify the most with, though, is that there was a period of time. So I, I was in the army for six years. And when I got out of the army, I was uh, very disgruntled with a lot of stuff that I saw. And most of it was when I got back from Afghanistan, I saw the world and I, I, the way people lived. It, it looked so apathetic to me because in the army, you got a brotherhood. And, you you know, despite the fact that there's so many things wrong with it and what you're doing isn't, it, you know, is so wrong. But when I came back, that's when it really hit me. And it was that there was so much apathy in the world that we live in, in, in this country, especially. And um, so I went to a dark place for about a year. And then, and, and after that, though, I, I had an awakening. This is um, 2012. Mm. I had an awakening and I, I grabbed a bag, put it on my back and I started traveling. I've, I've hopped trains and hitchhiked every, everywhere. I've, you know, I've gone India and Guatemala hitchhiking and I've sat on the tops of, um, volcanoes and, and mountains all over the world. And, and, and I learned how to meditate and to um, see the world without a bias. So whenever I go into a situation and I have something, a new interaction with someone, I don't want to go into it with a bias. I want to go into it with an empty mind. And I think that's the thing that I identify the most with. I want to go into every situation of life with an empty mind so that whenever I encounter the the situation that I'm in, I can really understand it before I make a decision on what I think about it. Man, that's such a valuable skill to have. You know what I mean? Like our, our whole world view is informed by so many like preconceived notions and biases that we filter all our information through. And a lot of times, like I'm, I mean, I can think of multiple examples in my life where it's like, you know, I see a new piece of information and that automatically goes through the filter of you know, my preconceived notions and it's not always like, you know, and then maybe I don't always arrive at the right conclusion. Right. And so right. If you can like clear your mind and perceive our reality from like a non-judgmental standpoint and, and, and just look at it for what it is, you know what I mean? Without, yeah, that's, that's super huge, man. That's really cool. Yeah. And in that way you can, you can approach anyone and you can see that what they're saying is true. It's yeah. true. Not because it's a universal truth. Perhaps it's, it might not be true for you. It might not be true for me. It might not be true for someone else, but for them, it's absolutely true. And when you see it like that, you can really understand where people are coming from. And when you understand where they're coming from, then you can start to uh, really discourse with them. You can have a real conversation at that point. It's like, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, you, you can't really hear someone what they're saying unless you love them. And, um, and that, that's scientifically proven, you know, if you if you're if your hearts aren't on the same frequency, it's very hard to listen to someone and to understand really what they're saying. Yeah, totally, man. Well, that's really cool. That's really cool. So, uh, well, OK, so let's get into the book just a little bit here. So so my understanding is that you've written books before. Um, so so tell us a bit a little bit about what your journey as an author has been like. So I've written one other book, but um, I've done a lot of writing otherwise, um, yeah. but I've done one other book. And, and my other book is um, more of like a personal memoir through anecdotes and an allegorical story and, and poetry and things like that. It's a much more intimate book. Um, and 
I like to number my pages in my books, you know, in a particular way. So I have 112 pages in that uh, book. And in my new book, I have uh, 324, 108 times three. I put a lot of esoterica in my in my uh-huh. books in, in, in kind of every way. So if you, if you read this book, you'll see it. It's just sprinkled throughout. And if you're looking for it, you'll see this esoteric kind of just like sprinkled throughout the book. And uh, the cover is just the beginning of that. But yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so my journey with it is, uh, I guess, you know, since I had my awakening, what, you know, in 2012, I, I, um, what it really was, is I realized that my whole life I've been seeing this and then been apathetic to it. I've, I've been, just, you know, ignoring ignorance, you know, you look mm-hmm. away from, it doesn't mean that it's not there and you, you can't see it. It means that you look away from it intentionally. That's ignorance. So I've been ignorant to things. And I realized that in 2012 and, and I started writing things and, um, and during my travels, I would write whenever something came to me. And, and I put a lot of that into my uh, mm-hmm. first book. And that's why it was a personal memoir. It was just kind of my journey, uh, but you might not see it if you read it. You might see just poetry and, and things like that. But it really is the most personal memoir that I can make. And then um, and then my my new book, I started in 2017, um, but there was breaks in between. So it really was a three-year project uh, heavily, you know. Uh, yeah. And um, that's a totally different kind of book. It's not a memoir at all. It's a, uh, it's a discourse on... Um, where we've been, how we how we've come to where we are, what we need to do, and if we don't do it, what we need to do then. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of different uh, viewpoints out there on on what we need to do, where we've been, and all that. But I think that uh, I think that I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out, you know, if we just look at really at the facts and then create a, a base from the facts and, and, and extrapolate from there, there's, we have so much information. And if people just look for the information, there's no way they, they cannot see the things that I'm seeing too. It's just that we spend our time differently. You know, the average person has to go to work to feed a family, to do whatever. I'm, I'm, pretty self-sustained financially. So I, I have the time to dive into these things in a way that other people can't. There's uh, much smarter people than me. There's much people who do a far better job than me if they had the time to do it, but they don't. So it's my duty because when mm-hmm. you see something in the world it is your duty to, to bring it to, to others. Uh, so I see it as a duty uh, to write this book and to, to talk and to, to get these things out there. That's powerful, man. And, and I've, I've, you know, in preparation for this interview, I've, I've kind of uh, gone through the book. I've, I've looked at a lot of the charts and I've read some pieces, you know, I, I, I like skipped over and read a bunch of the quotes. Like, it's just quite an achievement. So I have to congratulate you. First of all, like, like it's Thank a you. very champ. It's a, it's a dense book with a lot of really good, valuable information, statistics, and I saw solutions too built in there too. And so uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. So tell us, about the book itself. So it's unveiling a better world. What's the overall premise of the, of the book here? Sure. So, um, so originally the title of the book was better solutions. Um, uh, well, it, it was based on a, a organization that I built a while back called better solutions for a better world. And the idea for the, the, the book was going to be expressed through, okay, we're going to build a better world. But then I was having a conversation with someone and it, it they were like, no, it's not a good idea. Well, people will think it's egoism or whatever, you know, thinking you can do it all. So I said, okay, what, 
what's a better thing? And I had a little talk with, with a friend and we came up with unveiling a better world because we're all doing it together. When we have these conversations and whatever we do, we, we're, we're, we're doing this together. Uh, even if we just sit around the fire and talk to each other about these things, we're all unveiling the better world to each other. And um, so the premise of the book is, is really that it's to unveil a better world. And the, to do that, you first have to see that there is a veil. So you have to see that there is something that's that's hidden or, or you have to see the problem. You know, before you can take medicine, you have to know that you're sick uh, so you can take the right medicine. So the book goes through and it, it, it does not do it in a soft way. It does it just in a very direct way. It says, hey, this is an issue. Right. And this is how the issue started. And this is how it progressed into where it is today. Right. And if we do something about this issue today, and if we do this, 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 and there's probably 10 others that I don't know, you know, or a hundred others that I don't know, if we do these things today, it will resolve it and we will be making a better world for our children. But if we don't do it today, and this is the, the real conclusion um i was just talking with someone yesterday about the conclusion of the book and i was like well really it's a discussion i didn't mean it as a conclusion but but there kind of is a conclusion and that's we have the ability to do today what we won't be able to do tomorrow so if we don't do it today yeah. tomorrow there's blood in the street and and it doesn't matter if it's if, if it's 10 years tomorrow or if, or if it's tomorrow tomorrow it, it, yeah. if we don't take action today to First of all, attempt to reform in peace. If we don't attempt to reform in peace, I mean, we're lost at that point already. But but if we attempt it and we fail, now we're at the point where we can make that declaration. We can say, hey, we did everything that we possibly could in peace. And now we have to do everything else we can uh, in whatever other ways that we can. And, um, and I think that the problem is we're so disorganized like martin luther king said yeah. if we were as organized as those people then we would the world would change in an, overnight it, it would be done but we're disorganized we're fractured we're all over the place yeah. I, I interact with everyone i'll talk to anarchists and capitalists and libertarians but also talk to far far left liberals and and, yeah. and, and, and I, I don't care i'll talk to you all i, I will sit down and have a conversation and it and uh, I won't think anything. I won't think you're a bad person because you hold an idea. I think perhaps sometimes I might think that you've been indoctrinated, but that's yeah. something we've all been through. I was heavily indoctrinated. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Man. Yeah. That's powerful stuff. So, uh, you know, one like just an anecdote as far as that goes, like I had the honor of like, you know, going and, uh, protesting vaccine mandates in downtown Portland with Derek bros. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right? That was really cool. You know, I got to, I've got to hang out with him on a few different occasions now at this point. But uh, what he did is like, while we were in the park before, like we embarked on this march through downtown Portland, uh, you know, there was Antifa there. They were legit, like maybe not like full black block, like ready to like fight type Antifa. But there were people that were like, you know, they all had their masks and they're very apparent who they are. You know what I mean? And, and they were being loud and vocal and a few of them had signs. And like Derek would walk right up to him, dude. And he was like having conversations with them. He was engaging with them and having conversations with them directly. And yeah. all just standing back like, whoa, dude, it was, it was kind of mind blowing. It was really cool. Yeah. So I love that. I love that attitude. And I think it's so valuable. You know, the biggest, the, their biggest fear is all of us coming together. Like if, yeah. if any one of us who they have divided, like there's so many different, they have us divided into all these little yeah. factions. 
you know? And it's so silly, you know, all these labels, all these things that we identify as, um, even the word identify as has been so co-opted, you know what I mean? It's just like, right. but their, their whole goal is to get us divided into these little camps and then fight and squabble amongst each other. And their worst fear is all of us sitting at the table and having like a respectful, you know, conversation like that, that would be like th- th- their walls would start crumbling at that point. So such a great attitude. And I, and, and I completely agree, man. I completely agree. It can be hard though. It can be hard, but you know, there are pathways to do it and I've seen it for sure. So well, it's, it's just, a, it's just a general respect thing, which we've yeah. lost, you know, it's like yeah, yeah. we lost respect a long time ago. You know, uh, if you, if you look at the way people interact on the street, just passing each other, it's, it's sad. There's, there's a disrespect in the home. There's a disrespect on the street. There's a disrespect yeah. at work. And if people, I mean, 150 years ago, you couldn't disrespect someone without being called out to a duel. Totally. So like, you know, uh, we've lost and that's that's a violent way to go about creating that respect but i mean we've lost respect and that's that i think is a huge huge gaping hole in our ability to come together and and see the real monster yeah you're right man the the idea of the duel like like just the idea of like accountability on that level right you know like like i think that is based on like honor Right. I think so much of our society has lost even the sense of like what honor is, what integrity is, like putting the putting your your honor and your integrity on the line to such a degree that you're willing to die for it. Like people don't. That's not even a part of culture or society at all. Right. In fact, I I don't know if if I talked about this on the show before, but it's worth mentioning again. It's hilarious. So I had this idea of like a movie, like a really funny movie, you know, and I was actually researching this exact topic recently. The idea of a duel like is there any country in the world where you're even allowed to duel anymore and uh i looked into it and there's like one like country it's like an island country somewhere where there's like some law that allows for like mutual combat like this, this sort of thing <laughs> duel and so i was like, like this would be a great movie like two people like two like americans have like a beef with each other and they're like i challenge you to a duel okay i challenge you to a duel and then they have to like, but they have to like get in a plane and like fly all the way to this country and go do it, right? And then along the way, there's like trials and tribulations, and they end up becoming like best friends or something like that. Like, I that's, think that's great, yeah, hilarious. But anyway, so probably someone will steal that. But I don't that's know. A, that's a great idea. That's yeah, a, that's yeah. A fantastic we, idea. Need, we need to make yeah. that movie, dude. We need to make yeah. that movie. So, um, so here's a question for you. So, the first part of your book, like the very first intro, the first quote that you you selected is the uh, Patrick Henry. Mm-hmm give me liberty or give me death, like the full version of that, that statement. Right. Yeah. Uh, now well, the- it's, 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 it's not the full version. It's, okay. it's, uh, it's the, the last three paragraphs. But- sure. 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 Okay. Yeah. For the last three paragraphs, give me liberty, give me death. And that's March 1775. Do you feel like where we're at currently in the world, we're in a kind of a 1775 type of vibe. What do you think? Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of parallels. So I, I actually even parallel the the Declaration of Independence uh, in the book, and I, I put I put it side by side with a modern Declaration of Independence, what it would look like. And mm-hmm. the thing is, you don't have to change very much. You literally change, you know, the king to what you know, put in what you want, the plutocracy or whatever. Yeah. And um, and then there's a couple of extra things in when they're listing, you know, the wrongs that have been done. And um, and the thing is that it, it, it fits pretty darn perfectly. So are we at the point where, you know, it's time to Congress together amongst ourselves and, and declare our own uh, sovereignty, which is what they did. 
I think it was time a long time ago. Um, I think it was time about a hundred and um, whatever it was, 115 years ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think that um, the time was a long time ago. Okay. For That's it. And now we are on this track toward um, losing everything. I think we're, we're on the track to losing everything. And I hear people say, a lot of people say to me that they're on like the, the 500 year peace plan or the, um, this, this, they, they have this like big vision and it's way out there. And I think to myself, you know, there's probably millions of people that were marching with Martin Luther King that on their own, they were thinking it'll never happen. And then some, and Martin Luther King just came at the end, by the way, he, he wasn't there for the, the whole thing. He came at the end of a, a movement of people all, all getting together. So it really started, it was like pastors and community leaders of all types rising up and then they formed unions and then those unions worked together and they marched and then Martin Luther King would show up and it'd be a bigger thing. And, but, um, but basically we're, we're on the verge of losing everything. They just passed, uh, and they, they test things out uh, in different regions, but um, you know, they test it out globally. If it'll work in, in one country or another, they'll test it on a, a test site. Um, so right now they're testing, you know, repealing body armor in New York and mm -hmm. Canada's taking away uh, rights to ownership of firearms. That's our neighbor. Yeah. Um, much closer to us than, than Mexican law is, is yeah. Canada, Canadian law. So, um, you know, a lot of people say they're on that long-term plan. I'm on the, I'm on the today plan. I'm on the yeah, tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow plan. Like, cause if we don't, if we don't take action today, then, you know, my daughter's going to grow up in a, in a, a world full of shit. Yeah. And, um, people don't believe when you tell them, Hey, they're building FEMA camps. They got FEMA trains. They got FEMA boats. Why do they have this and why are they getting funded by uh, DHS, DOD? Why is it that, you know, people love Elon Musk. Elon Musk is a, a technocrat. He's a, a, yeah. literally, he's building systems of uh, controlling your mind. Tesla cars are an example of the, the uh, being able to dictate where a person goes, when they can enter and exit their car. Tesla is totally controlled. By HQ, you you know, to the, the world of tomorrow, you got robots in people's houses that are controlled by centralized governance. So, you know, the people don't see it coming and, and it, it seems very science fiction, but it's it's right around the bend. It's right mm -hmm. around the bend. And if you pay attention, you know, again, it's like t people don't have time to look at it. But if you pay attention, yeah. you see it. They the the people building it, they're talking together. And they're not always there for, for your well-being. And even if they are, the people that come in and buy those companies, that fund those companies, you know, round two, three investments, they're, they're Alphabet Inc. You know, mm -hmm. Alphabet Inc. is Google. And it's, it's it, it, I mean, we just are so close to, uh, you know, Holocaust 2, a lot of more 2, uh, that, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm afraid for, for the people that, uh, aren't prepared. And that's not like, I'm not trying to be in a, a you know, in an extreme way, like everybody, you know, go grab your guns right now. I do not think that that is a smart option. I think that we just need to organize and that looks a lot of different ways, but it really looks like 
you start local, you organize your township, you organize your, your village, your town, your uh, city, then your state, then your, then national. You cannot just think nationally. And if you just vote for a president once a year, you're not a patriot. Um, and a lot of the freedom people, they, they don't like the word patriot. I love the word patriot because, yeah. because my nation isn't the United States of America corporation. My nation yeah. is the people around me. Yeah. It's my tribe. So I love patriotism and I love the people who have the passion to be patriotic and, and the strength to do so. And there's a lot of good cops out there and there's a lot of good soldiers out there and a, a ton of veterans that are ready for that tribe and to be there and protect that tribe and to work for that tribe and put a lot of energy in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally, man. Totally. And, and so, you know, we're in this amazing place now where we have more options. Like maybe the people in 1775, like literally they, they, they just didn't have as many options maybe as we do. And it had to come down to a bloody like conflict, you know what I mean? But nowadays right. we have so much like really information and communication. Like that is such a powerful instrument for us. You know, like we are able to communicate and organize and, and share ideas that hopefully alleviate to the point where we don't need to have any sort of violent confrontation like i don't want that like nobody wants that like anybody that wants that is just crazy dude and yeah. like and plus that's not even the solution at all like we could that's what they want they want to have us engage them in like hot combat like that's what right. they want you know what i mean like right we don't have to do that man and like what you were describing there and i talk about all the time on the show is that like we don't have to do that literally the solution is is pulling back and building our own communities and building our own parallel structures and then operating in like a counter economic way that cuts them out as much as possible and scale it up to the point where now we are the majority. And, right. and of course then, you know, that comes with its own problems. Right. And, and we can get into all that and like, but, but ultimately what it is, is it's just like, you know, like you were describing the FEMA camps, like the whole goal is to make it so that like, like FEMA camps are going to be a place where, people who aren't prepared are going to need to go in order to eat after this major right. event happens. You know what I mean? So right. it's almost like, you know, people will voluntarily be going to the FEMA camps. It's not like the boxcar type scenario. It's going to be more like, you know, people that's going to be their only means of survival. And so the whole idea being for us is to insulate ourselves to the point where we don't need to go to a FEMA camp. Like, really? That should right. be the goal, right? You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because so, people they're they're not gonna like come to your door and drag you out of the door or whatever. Yeah, I have I have some friends that that say like um, I don't have to do anything today. I don't have to change my life. You know, I can keep going to the bar, whatever. And if the government you know comes after us or something, you know, whatever they might say, well, I'll just shoot them when they get to my door. Then it's like they're not gonna come to your door. They're gonna make it impossible for you to live, yeah. so that you have to seek their help. Yeah, it's the it's the. Uh, de-evolution of our society uh and and they're gonna make you dependent and that's what these checks are about that they're sending everybody that's what it is when they make it impossible to better yourself and go to college and then and then when you do go to college and you learn something impossible to find a decent job because it's very so here's an interesting thing no revolution is ever started by the poorest people um i mean you have like slave riots you have um you know, the, the gladiators in Rome would every once in a while rise up. So so it's not 100 percent. But but generally speaking, when you see a revolution that overturns a nation, it is not the poorest people or the most destitute or the most uh, uh, like criminalized or, or whatever in that nation. It's the middle class. Yeah. The middle class sees something, they, they, you know, 
like in France, um, when they when they over uh, in uh, seventeen eighty nine, I think it was, um, they overthrew the the monarchy, and they did it. It was the uh, you had the extremists, and they were the low lower classes, and they were the the people that came in and they fought really hard at one point of the revolution. But it was the the middle class, it was the moderates that came in and they formed a new government, and they they incited all the the masses to come together because they're moderates everybody wants to listen to the moderate because they're moderate they're they're like middle ground you know so when they get pissed off everybody needs to get pissed off right but um so the reason why they revolted though wasn't because they were struggling it was because they had bettered themselves over the years and they saw something more they were like oh i could do way more with my life i don't just have to I'm not just relegated to this little corner over here. I can do so much with my life and they see the possibility. And then the monarchy said, no, 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 it's going too far. We're going to put, we're going to put a pause on it right there. And they said, no, we see it. We're going to get it. And so what are they doing right now? They're killing the middle class, small businesses closing down Uh, people, you know, if uh, if we kept the the value of the dollar since 1972, minimum wage would be 23.75 or something like that right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have friends that are making ten dollars in some states, and it's like, how are you not ready to revolt? Our 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 ancestors, you know. Well, my family came here in 1890, so the revolution. I had no ancestors here. I my people were farming potatoes somewhere, uh, and. Um, but the ancestors of this nation, the, the founding fathers, first of all, these people are smugglers and they make their money from some of them through slaves in the South and some in the North. And but many, many, many of them are smugglers. They're illegal. They're, they're criminals. And uh, but they're, you know, very uh, socially correct criminals because in the colonies, it was it was a it, how you survive. I mean, Massachusetts had to start printing its own money in disregard of of uh, royal decree because the people just needed to survive. So where are we at now? It's like we have people needing something, but they're not willing to go and get it by whatever means. And that's the difference. In 1775, 1776, there was a bunch of people who would who said this is unrighteous. And I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. Screw the consequences. And that's why it, it, at the uh, bottom of the declaration, it said, uh, I pledge my life, my liberty. Um, it, it's like you pledge and your, uh, I forget the, the third thing, but it's like my, my honor, my, my dignity. Mm-hmm. They pledged their, oh, their, their sacred duty. So um, it's like we have lost this, this, this feeling that's, when somebody steps on my toe intentionally that I need to do something about it. But when somebody pushes me into a ditch, I need to do more about it. And if somebody tries to kill me or take my, my means to survive, protect my family or, or feed my family, then now we're at war. Mm -hmm. So we've lost that. And now everybody's so comfortable. They're living on that 98%, uh, you know, uh, credit bubble. That we purchase everything on 98% of all vehicles are purchased on credit. You know, the, everything's purchased on credit where it's consumer economy and everybody's so happy being comfortable that they're going to be comfortable until they're uncomfortable. And that uncomfortable is going to be, it doesn't even have to be a lot. It'll just be a little bit. They'll make them uncomfortable. 
They won't be sending them a check anymore, but they won't be able to buy food because it's too expensive and they won't be able to drive anywhere because gas is too much, right? We see that happening right now, but it'll be far more than that. And they'll be uncomfortable. And now they'll be like, oh, I'll go to the FEMA camp. At least they, they have food there. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll vaccinate my children because they're telling me that's necessary to get the food. Yeah. And I'll do I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever it takes. Because that's all people want. They want to be comfortable. And I can understand it. Our drive for, like, having more ease in our lives. You know, that's why we build technology. That's why we built a wheel, because it's easier. It makes our lives easier. But we're at the point where we, with technology, we could literally, there's millions of people literally doing nothing. Yeah. And they just, they, they just receive. They, they just get, get, get. Yeah. And what, what do they do with it? So, you know, we've lost so much of what it means to just be natural human beings and to have like purpose, dignity, respect that we're, we're, we're very much on a decline. So unless we find that we come together and we, we, we say no more, you've crossed the line, you crossed the line a hundred years ago and you're crossed the line many times since then. And here's the line that we draw to the sand in front of us. We say, it's not going any further. Yeah. Second they cross that line, we got iron in our hands. Yeah. If if we're not willing to do that, then we're not willing to do it in ten years when when they're they're doing whatever they do next. If we're not willing to do it now, we're not willing to do it then. So I see a lot of people, that gun uh, gun toting uh, gun advocates, whatever. And I'm a gun advocate. I say everybody have a gun in your house for sure. Amen. Amen. Have have a freaking three D printer. You can print your own guns. Dude. Have a three D printer. Print yeah. your own gun. Yeah. yeah. But but. <laughs> You also have to understand that if you don't, if you're not doing something now, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like we can talk about it all day long, but if you're not doing it now, tomorrow is is gone. There is no tomorrow. I mean, it, it really, there's no tomorrow. There's no past. Everything's a memory or an expectation, mm. and we're collectively creating this. Like we have this expectation of apocalypse. You see, everybody, everybody I talk to, no matter where they're from, they're talking about like the 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 problem and and how it's coming to apocalypse but if we just change the conversation a little bit we say oh it's all all these problems problem 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 but i'm gonna grow a a garden in my backyard yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna get a shotgun tomorrow and and, uh you know teach my kid how to use it i'm gonna uh i don't know what you know just if we if we start taking action proactively if if you live in a city grow rooftop garden if you if you know a communal garden place go get a share in there if you yeah. uh, and gardening is really important is food and yeah. if they take your food you know it's not good but yeah but even that you know they they're spraying barium in our skies and that barium goes into our uh, what was it uh, i think it was it was lettuce or spinach one of them takes mm-hmm. it in really heavily it, it absorbs a lot of it and then you go and you eat that you're eating a heavy metal that heavy metal goes and yeah. it, it, it calcifies your liver and it calcifies your pineal gland your liver detoxifies your body of poisons of toxins all this stuff and it, it processes it out your pineal gland allows you to see more of life than than just uh kind of the mundane mm. so if you're trying to expand your mind and you're you're you got a lot of heavy metals in your body. It's gonna be uh, perhaps impossible to look beyond what you're seeing right now because it, it it coats it calcifies the soft tissues, and um, you need to release DMT into your brain. 
amongst a lot of other chemicals. You need to release that to be able to expand yourself. There, you go. There, we, there we go. Yeah, perfect. That actually reminded me. I forgot to do this in the intro. Like, uh, yeah. this brought to you by Truth TRS, Heavy Metal Detox, baby. Cosiva TRS, TruthTRS.com. Guys, go get some. It really works. It's good stuff. But yeah, that's that's definitely a big, important part of like any sort of health regimen is like eliminating heavy metals. There you yeah. go. Yeah, that's 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 those are my buddies at TRS. So there you go. Man, there's so much good stuff that what you wrote right there or what you mentioned right there. Like, I feel like um, just <laughs> what you know that we're in trouble because there's just such an imbalance in the natural order of things. Like what you're talking about, how everybody's just taking, 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 receiving, receiving, receiving without reciprocating or giving back at all like that's just against nature like it's not sustainable you can't be a conscious living entity and just like extract from this universe or reality without like giving back like equal proportions you know what i mean and so like we're just in this insane imbalance that's probably what it is and you know one thing i know about nature like our bodies um it's always trying to achieve like homeostasis it's always trying to like like get back into equilibrium you know what i mean and it has massive amazing weight like if you just observe nature like you know it always will correct itself it will always come around and fix itself whether it's like a new species of bug evolves to eradicate this plant that's taken over this area or vice versa and it's just <clears throat> the universe is always like perfect it's always seeking symbiosis and seeking just like you know perfection right and it really is perfection you know it, when you look at nature like it's literal perfection you can't yeah argue with it it is pure truth it is just like the primacy of existence it's like 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 fundamental and unassailable in any way shape or form you know and yeah. and we using technology primarily are the technology that we've innovated to make our lives so much more comfortable and cozy and i'm just as guilty as anybody because i love my comforts of course you know i don't like to be uncomfortable but at the same time you know we've taken it to such an extreme where nature is literally just correcting itself like maybe that's what bill gates and joe biden are here on earth to do is to they're, they're instruments of god sent here to correct our you know what i mean because because it's all coming to a head it's all coming to just just this massive like crash you know the unstoppable force the immovable 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 object are ready to collide right now and like we're witnessing it it's so crazy man and so I feel like there's there's some hope in that, you know, there's hope in this big correction, this overcorrection that's happening right now, because, you know, those of us that are that will be prepared for it and that are uh, anticipating it and, and are like kind of more more than anything, like spiritually prepared for it, like like in our souls, we know that there's like a great disturbance and that something big is on the on coming on the head so when it happens you know we're, we're gonna be okay this is it it's time it's time to take action you know what i mean so i feel like there's hope there's a lot of hope and then hopefully at the end on the other side of it we're able to rebuild rebuild you know in in our what we what we hope you know the new reality and even if it is like in our small little communities just like in our little immediate circle like building like a moral decent you know just small little group and then kind of going from there and then again, too, you know, like the whole idea of us giving up so much ground, we've lost so much ground to where the inevitable, like inevitably, like it may unfortunately have to be a violent solution that gets us out. I don't know. I hope not. But like, it almost seems like the more we're just the apathy and just the, the, the just bystander just sitting around observing this and not really taking action and waiting for things to happen and reacting to things that happen to us. Unfortunately, like the longer we prolong this, the worse it's going to like the worse and more extreme our response is going to have to be. And like, that's why I've been so adamant against masks from day one, 
because the second they came out, I was in Oregon. Um, I've li- I'm born and raised in Oregon, lived there my whole life. Um, I actually just moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm in Nashville right now. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, but being in Eugene, Oregon, throughout the entire length of this, where there were mask mandates everywhere, you know, you couldn't really go do much without it, even though I didn't wear masks. Mm-hmm. But, but ever since like the mask mandate came out, that's why I was so adamant and pushed back against it so hard because I knew that if we, as soon as we gave up that ground, then it's just like a domino effect. You know, once they they forced that upon us, then it was going to be then we, we were dude go back to like the very first couple episodes of Truthzilla, the show I used to do back in like May, June of 2020. Like that's what we were saying. Like, no, we cannot give up ground with the mask because then it's going to be the vaccine and then it's going to be the digital passport. And then you're going to have to have proof of vaccine to go anywhere. Like we were talking about this stuff. Like we knew what was going to happen. And here we are fast forward two years, man. And it's like, it's like, it's, it's as real as ever. And so we know the more ground we give up in each one of these categories, like those, you know, the famous saying, like, I can't remember who said it, but it's like, you know, a, a Liberty given up is gone forever type of thing. Like, like a lot of these are gone forever. Like maybe, or, they're sitting there waiting for them to come re-implement them at any given time. And I'm pretty sure here in the fall, we're going to see freaking two well, points. Well, we, 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 we never lose a right. Yeah. It's only if we choose to act on it and stand yeah. our, 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 our position because a right is different than a law. Sure, a sure, law sure. is something that somebody gives to you. A right is something that when you're born, you have it. Now yeah. I have the right to defend myself. And if I choose a firearm, that's my right. I have the right to speak because I have a mouth and I got a voice box and I I have the right to speak. I'm alive. Yeah. So when the government makes a free speech zone or tries Mm -hmm. to dictate what kind of firearm I'm allowed to have. Yeah. Those laws are non-enforceable. They are not, uh, not justly enforceable. They're, they're, um, those are built like every government, I mean, I, I name in the book, many, many, many governments, not just the big ones that yeah. people know about. I mean, ne- many governments that they take your guns and this is just in the last century. They take your guns and then they give those guns or they already have guns and they give them to the, the loyal militaries uh, and police forces that are loyal to them because they pay them really well. They give them whatever they want and then they come after you. They come after you. So, you know, people like to give uh, the excuse of uh, Australia. They took their guns mm-hmm. belted in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, v- or no, what was it? Uh, Pol Pot, Pol Pot, uh, Cambodia. The, uh, I think it was the British were there. The British government said no firearms. It was like 60 years later, 70 years later, Pol Pot came around. Yeah. So it's not that you you, you don't have your guns and then to the next day they come after you. It's that you don't have your guns. So whatever they come after you, yeah. it could be a hundred years from now. If oh, you've yeah. cod- codified in your system and taught socially the, and all the children, the generations learning, we don't do guns here. Now all of a sudden when they, when that dictator does arrive, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. What yeah. do you do? You can't take a knife into a gunfight. That's a real thing. Yeah. And anybody who thinks that, there's any anything else that happens when a government comes to take your guns, they, they just don't know. They, they are ignorant. They're looking the other way. Yeah. Because, they, because we all like peace, right? So liking peace is great and wanting it and, and, and desiring to have peace. That's great. But how you maintain the peace, you can be a person who doesn't want a gun. Live your life. You are a sovereign being. I will never impose on you and tell you you have to have a gun. Yeah. But if you tell me that I'm not allowed to have a gun, now we have a problem. 
Exactly. If you try, and not even that. No, if you, you can say it, but if you if if you pose on me, if you say, sure, sure. or if you come and try to take it, now we got a problem. And in this country, nobody's gonna again. It, they, coming to take it would be yeah. dangerous. So they'll do it. In, they'll do it in another way. Yeah, there's no. I mean, there's no realistic, practical. If you think about like just the logistics of something like that, it's just impossible. There'd just be no way that they're gonna come door to door to ever do that. But yeah, right. I'm sure that they have red, red, but, you know, you know, red flag laws, right? That's one tactic, and and this is how they do it, right? So even with the masks and and the whole COVID thing, so it wasn't that there was like a government agent at every door making sure you had your mask on. It was the people regulating each other. And so you walk into somebody's business, like you have to wear a mask in here. Uh, somebody walking down the street, you why aren't you wearing a mask? Yeah. Same thing. Red flag laws. If somebody, if your family member or neighbor or whatever says, "Oh, this person's dangerous," and they call the cops, the cops can come to your house and take your gun. So that's that's all. That's one yeah, way yeah. they'll do it. They'll get us to give it up freely, or force each other. You know, they'll make our our struggles against each other deeper. Take, take away everything we have that way. Uh, yeah. But they, they want to look like, because, you know, it's all statism. It's, it, they want to look holy. They want to look like a deity. They want to look benign. They want to look, everything they do is for the benefit, you know? It's, yeah. it's like that it's like that statement that uh, Biden said recently. He's like, the economy is better than it's ever been or whatever. It's like, yeah. gas prices are crazy right now. He's like, the economy's great. Yeah, he's going to say that no matter what. He'll say that while millions of children starve if it yeah. gets to that point. Oh, so, yeah. so it, it won't matter. He's going to say that. Yeah. And, and they'll all say that. So you just, yeah, turn off your television, yeah. grow, grow a garden, buy a gun. There you uh, go. Stockpile important things. Stockpile salt. Here's something. Here's a really important one. Yeah. If our supply chain fails, right? A lot of people do have a store of foods. Uh, but they don't have a store of salt. Yeah. Well, you're going to need salt. Your body needs salt. Uh, so go out and buy bulk salt and uh, put that in your in your stores. And if you don't, uh, I believe it's dandelion roots have salt. So you can go and eat dandelion roots if it gets if shit hits the fan. Yeah. Damn. Intense, man. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Well, here let's 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 jump back to the book here real quick. So I yeah. wanted to um, I wanted to you you graciously sent me a copy here. I wanted to uh, basically, bam. So looking at the table of contents, like this is this is a great uh, just kind of overview of like what it is that that you cover in the book. So can you tell us like kind of what the what what they can expect reading it? Like you cover all these different categories, but like what's uh, what's kind sure. of the overall theme as as we go through it? So first disclaimer, um, I had a lot more content that I wanted to write about, but, th but the book is long, it's dense. And uh, there's so few people reading these days that I was like, okay, I got to stop it at some point, but, but there's, there's, there's 10 books worth of that size of content that really people could use. So this, this book is really for people who, um, want, you know, there, there's a lot of folks out there that want information. And when you share something with them, they're like, oh, well, where's the facts or, well, you know, what's, where's the data or where do you get that information? And it's like, uh, OK, well, here's a here's a nice book that shows you uh, exactly where I'm getting the data and information that I'm sharing with you and how I'm extrapolating on it. And yeah. um, 
I did my best to to cite everything and put everything yeah. correctly in there and do all the charts and graphs and everything. I spent a lot of time on that. Um, and if anybody reads this book and finds faults, I will I, I will eat those faults and I will change the book. I'll make a, a, totally. a all the adaptations. So I'm it, it's it's a constantly it's a constant thing. It's a it's a discussion that we're having about um, what's happening in the world, what we can do. That's what I want this book to be. Totally. But any, any, anyway, so it's a it's a fluid chapters. So the chapters don't start on each uh, on, on a new page. You just kind of got to flow with it. And yeah. um, so I start off with um, uh, some opening statements about my 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 thoughts, why I'm writing the book, uh, which is uh, what we've already talked about. And then I go into the government um, and the economy as the big the big two uh, uh, first chapters and. In there, I discuss um, how our government is formed, what type of government we have. People think we have a democracy. They think mm -hmm. we have a republic. We don't. Yeah. We didn't. We haven't had a, a, a democratic republic in a very long time. And if you if you look at the the structure of the interactions between corporations and the government, you'll see it's a plutocracy. Uh, you'll see you you can name a lot of ways that, that this government operates. You can call it. Help me out with that. Uh, define plutocracy for us. Like how, plutocracy how is a is a is a uh, a government run by corporations. Basically, it's okay. it's so deeply integrated with corporations that you can't discern them apart. And today it's like that. You look at every Supreme Court judge, and every single one of them has worked for a plethora of corporations. And if you don't think that influences them or biases them in one way or another, you're, you're, you're whack, you know, it, it, everything we do in life creates a bias in us. And if we don't have a lot of self-control, then those biases run us. If we have a moderate level of self-control, then some of them, you know, run us. And if we have an extreme amount of self-control, then maybe we can keep it in check enough that we can, we can, you know, maybe act as a judge for something, but I don't believe yeah. in judges anyway. I'm not really a big fan of judges, but, yeah. but, but so, uh, you know, the, 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 the overlap between corporations and nowadays multinational corporations that extract money out of the United States uh, and into uh, tax, uh, tax free nations. So, you know, uh, tax havens like Ireland. So Amazon is debt-based company. Jeff Bezos said it's going to fail sometime in the future. And he's right because a debt-based company and all the profits they make, they extract over out of the country. So it doesn't come back into our economy. It goes over to Ireland and then it goes somewhere from, from there. Who knows? And um, so they, they don't add anything to our economy. They don't add anything to the small towns and, and villages. They just extract. They, they take like a, a, a parasite takes. Yeah. And, um, and it's pretty much all the corporations, these multinational corporations. These corporations are the too big to fail corporations, and these ones run your government. And it's not just it's not just the ones you know about; it's the ones you don't know about. And uh, the names are people are getting more familiar, but Vanguard and yep. BlackRock and well, State Street, and, and State that. Street. State yeah. Street's actually a really interesting one because that has even all, almost a deeper yeah. root. It has a deeper root than than the other two. But uh, but just to give it a, a, a quick overview is, is that uh, these three corporations that we just named state street blackrock and vanguard are going to be larger in their uh, financial holdings than the united states in about six years mm. and the united states is the biggest so so what what these corporations are bigger than the of of some thousands uh maybe a million people right working for these corporations and they're they're bigger than 330 million 
in the largest and most profitable, not the largest by population, but the largest economy and largest, most profitable nation in the world. These three corporations are bigger. And who owns them? They're circular owned. So it's circular ownership. So discovering who owns them, I can make a circular ownership company. I can make it in, in today. I can go and make a circular ownership company yeah. with anonymous LLCs. Uh, and it would, it would be a hell of a job for you to find out it was me. So these guys with teams, uh, you know, probably armies of lawyers and, and they're international and they're working in international law. You're never going to find out really who owns them, but you can, you can extrapolate on the information that we have and you can get pretty darn close. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's scary stuff, man. It really is. Like once you realize like, like, man, there's so much like the shadow, like the shadow that, that operates, you know, and we, we kind of like allude to it and, you know, we don't really know exactly what the head of the pyramid is, but like, and I think like these financial institutions, like we've kind of been known that those who, those are the ones who run the show. Right. And they've kind of co-opted and uh, brought about this debt based system that we currently live in. Like, you know, you talk about in the book too, like the federal reserve and uh, fractional reserve banking. And how oh, I go to war with the fed. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, the federal reserve. Okay. So for those who don't know anything, right? So the federal reserve is a private corporation has private shareholders and it's, uh, it, to some degree, it's got this like kind of circular ownership model too, but, but basically the shareholders are these major banks. And, um, so the banks own the federal reserve and they are profiting when, when we use that currency. Mm-hmm. Now our government sold our economy to the federal reserve in, uh, between 1913. And, uh, I mean, there's, there's several different points where it grew, but, but 1913, they, they, they passed the laws. Basically everybody was out, out for Christmas and they passed the law kind of mm-hmm. real secretive like, and, um, and we sold our economy down the river to, to these monopolists. And to give a little bit of background on the monopolists in 1666, the East India Company of Britain uh, was uh, given rights to, uh, I think it was just the export, import or export of, of gold and silver um, and be able to exchange gold for silver in or silver for gold in, um, in India. And the profit margin that they were making was huge. And when they came back, they were taking control of the economy of England. So there was a struggle back and forth between the royals and these monopolists. And in the end, the monopolists won. So uh, basically, they gained control of the entire banking regime of England from the royals. So there, there's uh, Alexander Del Mar talks about five different stages of um, the development of how currencies get made and owned and processed in, in, in the world. And uh, I won't go through all of them. The last two was it was royalty and now it's bank like private uh, bankers. And the great shift happened between the uh, 17th century, you know, it was like, well, it was like early 1600s to uh, and still now, still now it's taking more and more footing. Um, and it's the new, it's the new way we do it. Now we, we, all our money is fiat and it's, it's owned by individuals. And, um, and so anyway, so coming back to the federal reserve, the federal reserve exchanges for, for T bonds, it, it, it buys treasury bills and it has a, it runs a parallel economy to the real economy, which is the money that you exchange at the store. Mm. They say that everything that they do doesn't affect the real economy. And it absolutely does. 
if you if you just pay attention to it, if you don't just if you don't just listen to their rhetoric, if you really go in and look at it, everything they do, every every movement they make, it affects the economy. Right now, eighty percent or something like that of the entire economy, uh, uh, the entire amount of U.S. dollars that has been printed since nineteen thirteen is like we have eighty percent printed in the last like three years, two years, yeah, something yeah. like that, and so. If you don't think that's a problem, first of all, that you don't own the currency or that the bank down the street doesn't own it and they have to compete with other banks and then you can choose which bank you want. Because right now, if we were able to, if I was able to go to my bank down the street and ask them about what they offer and their rates and everything, and then go to the next bank down the street and ask them about their rates and pick the one that's best. And when I pick them, I get their currency that they printed and that currency has to compete with the other bank's currency. Yeah. Now, if I'm not getting that, I'm not in a free banking system. I'm there's some central control and that central control means that they can dictate financial uh, policy. They can, they can control the, the economy right now, the federal reserve, if they want to make a bull market, they change the federal funds rate. If they want to make a bear market, they change the federal funds rate. It's as easy as that. And it, you know, people just, ignore again the ignorance they ignore the uh, the uncomfortable things so if you don't look into the federal reserve i mean you can read my book but my book i i, I attack the fed but it's really just the beginning it's really yeah. just the beginning because if you if you spend the time um really looking into it uh it's 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 the destruction of our nation um uh, it's it's the the spearhead of that. There's a lot of other stuff, but when they control the finances, when they control the currency, when that's our energy, that's how we exchange things. When they control that and they can dictate that, and especially with the new uh, CBDCs, uh, the central bank digital currencies, the second they come out with a central bank digital currency, dude, go to a privacy coin, get your gold on. I don't care what uh, you know, exchange with bullets. It doesn't matter. But 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 if you get into that digital currency, they're going to know every single purchase you make. They'll be able to deny purchases that you're going to make on something. They'll be able to see everything that you do. Smart meters today on the side of houses, they can tell you what kind of hair dryer you're using and what times of day you're using it. And they can sell that to people in Iran or North Korea or Russia, or, or they could sell it to Google or they could sell it to whatever. Smart meters have been doing this for, for a decade or something more than that. Your cell phone has been doing that for a while, but now your finances are going to be on that level and they're going to be able to dictate to you what you can and can't spend, where, how, why, where you can go, you know, and the federal reserve is just an example. It's the spearhead of that because they dictate everything that happens in the economy. They dictate where it goes. It is not by coincidence. It is a dictation. Yeah. That's yeah, dude. It's, it's crazy stuff, man. And you can spend so much time like looking into it. And it seems like it's one of those things. that's just like, I don't even know where to begin to tackle this. Right. But like, you know, it's yeah. again, you know, we can just uh, make better conscious choices in our own little world, in our own little realm when it comes to our like financial and like, you know, getting out of debt, um, you know, becoming more financially independent, you know, starting your own business, be like, you know, being able to be as autonomous as possible, uh, entrepreneurship, ways to alleviate the pressures that the debt based system places on us that forces us into like servitude, like anything that we can do to move as far away from that as possible, you know, and not be the whole, cause we're always going to have to interact and, and, you know, exchange and, and participate in commerce in one way or another, but to 
pull ourselves as far out of the, as possible as you know we can always do as much as we can even if it's like getting like a second form of income like just get some sort of like side hustle like anything that we could do to gain autonomy like that's that's the name of the game you know what i mean so for sure. yeah and if you if you're it's really hard to find like a, a good piece of land that's cheap yeah but if you work together i know i don't i don't even know how many maybe in the hundreds of people that are part of a community of people that that go in and buy buy a piece of land or I know people that are looking for land. I know one group that's like 70 people strong and they're looking for land. 70 people, you're talking about land worth millions. So, yeah. you 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 know, you just get together with some people, go buy some land, start homesteading and do it. And it's tough. It's tough living with people. It's yeah. rough because the, 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 the social politics around living next door to somebody, you might not like them so much, but you know what? If they're farming potatoes and you got something, you got asparagus going, yeah. those go really good together. So just, you know, <laughs> sit and have a meal and kind of work through it. But if you, if, if you know, if we don't break through that, if we say, oh, that person, I'm throwing the baby out with the bathwater with that one. And I, yeah. I, I can't, I can't interact with that person. You're the problem. Yeah. It's not that's the government problem. that's the problem. It's yeah. not, it's not the Fed that's the problem. And it's not the, it's not the, the world government that's the problem. It's not, it's the fact that, you aren't in love with the community around you and doing something to benefit them. And if you don't like them, you're not leaving. You're, you're, you know, you're just a problem in that space. So, you know, find where you belong, find those people that you work really good with, start growing food, storing things, living a good life. Because if we just, like you said, a parallel, a parallel world. So, you know, they got this narrative and this world that they're, they're pushing, right? Yeah. And as long as they push that and you're on that track, you're going to keep going with it. And it's going to be more and more hell for sure. Yeah. yeah. So all yeah. you got to do is look this way. And if you yeah. look this way, what do you see? I see utopia. I see, I see communities really mm. working together and, and going through challenges too, but really working together and just fuck taxes. Yeah. Don't pay your fucking taxes. You know, uh, be in nature, put your foot in the soil and work the, work the earth and you will lose a lot of, you know, people with bipolar disorder or whatever the hell is going on. All these things, they've been created 5,000 different psychiatric terms since 1929. Uh, mm -hmm. The psychiatric book is like 5,000 things. Mm -hmm. Okay. You, 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 you don't like, uh, you don't like something uh, now you're phobic to it and you need a, a freaking something to, to cure you. Yep. My, um, my uncle was beat up when he was uh, a kid and he had his head smashed by these kids. He, he beat in basketball. He was a genius guitar player. He still is, but um, so he started having grand mal seizures like once every week. Yeah. And he's lived in a home his whole life because that's how they, the people did it, I guess, but they just put him in a home and when my grandmother died, he came out of that place where he had, a, he had a tackle box full of pills. He had to take them every day. And he forgot his tackle box. And he came out and for a week. This guy was clear of all this crap they were shoving into him where he was hearing things. And he was, he was, people were telling him to kill other people. It was serious. He got out of there and stopped taking these fucking things. And instantaneously, his skin cleared up. He was clear-minded. He was kind, loving, and gentle. He went for walks on his own. He he lived a normal life for a week, and then they put him back in the home. And the next time I went to see him, he told me that people were telling him to kill him, kill me in his head. Wow. Yeah. 
Don't fucking feed yourself the crap that they give you. It doesn't work. Chemotherapy is a, I mean, I'll, I'll say sometimes it works, but what you're doing is you're, you're radiating your body to such a degree that you're going to cause problems down the road of other kinds. You might get another cancer down the road yeah. and cancer is another one. You know, you read the book, I go into the stats on cancer. That's all stuff given by the NCI national cancer Institute. And man, you might you think that we had cancer in 1900, the same that we have today, like 50%, I think is the actual statistic. 50% of people are going to get diagnosed in their life. Yeah. What the crazy. fuck? What yeah, is that? So crazy. That's so crazy, man. Like it's, uh, it's all. And once you realize that like our medical system, like the system that we have in place, the allopathic model is really designed to keep us in a state of this ease and it's making people uh, money yeah and it's, a, it's just a money system and you can go take yeah. that all the way back to like the whole childhood vaccine yeah. debate, you know what i mean like that's yeah. like one of the things that i've learned really is that like you know <laughs> these vaccines like i'm okay so i met i met a couple recently and uh they were describing how their child was not vaccinated um and uh they, it was an adopted child and they chose not to vaccinate and uh, I just like out of the blue, I said, and let me guess. And the kid's like four years old, something like that. And I just, I asked out of the blue, I'm just like, let me guess. He's like the healthiest kid ever, right? And they're like, yeah, he's like, he doesn't get sick. Like, it's just like, and then, and then of course, like, oh man, it's just that hey, we could, we could talk about that forever. We can talk about that forever. Are you good for a little bit longer? Do you have any sort of like heart out or anything like that? No, I'm, uh, you know, it's however long you want to go. Um, cool, cool. If I, cause I, I am at the library. Uh, oh, okay. Trying to, they have these nice closed-in rooms, and my allergies are yeah. just out of this world. And we can yeah. talk about allergies if you want to. I don't think yeah. that, I don't think there's a natural allergy out there. You know, when they're yeah. when they're spraying pesticides on your coffee beans yeah. and you're eating that, you're yeah. when you get allergies, what happens? You, you inflame, you puff up. Your body's like, yeah. what the hell is that? And wants to get it out. Now I have no science behind this whatsoever. This is just me extrapolating on on things that I, you know, I don't know where. Uh, <laughs> no, but, I hear you. But if I have um, heavy metals or pesticide residues or whatever, and it's it's getting into my sinuses, or my sinuses are are, are working to relieve that, I mean I'm having a really hard time just because it, it it's been weeks, it's been weeks, and I only started getting this in 2017 and usually it only lasts like two days. This is weeks this year, weeks. It's like an attack. Yeah. And um, I don't know what's going on, but, but it's definitely not normal. And, and I don't think that we have natural allergies. Like, like all these people with these peanut allergies, I think that it's an attack of the things that they're putting in with the peanuts. And, and yeah. it's not just peanuts. I guess it's like the oils and everything. I mean, it's so, it's all up like, hugely processed foods. So, I mean, we eat so many processed foods that, you know, even if it's organic, I think the law is like 5% of something with an organic label can be not organic yeah. substances. Or totally. like so totally. even if you're going to the store and you're like, this is organic, it's not going to have pesticides on it or whatever. 5% of what's in there ain't organic. What is that? What is it that's not organic in that thing that has the organic label? I don't know. Yeah. And I've always had this theory that like, you know, that's probably the best way that they can attack us is through the organic food. Like they could put yeah, something yeah. in the organic food because I know that's the, the, the population they want to target the most is the people that are actively trying to live a healthy lifestyle. It's like, no, 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 you don't get to do all that. Like you yeah. get back here. We're going to need to make you sick. So I've yeah. been very wary of organic food as well. I'm like, there's no way. Like you go to Walmart. 
not that I go to Walmart very often, but like yeah. the Walmart, they have like the organic food. I'm like, ah, like organic food at Walmart. That doesn't really. Right. Me. Like, seems you know, I've, I've gotten into just really paying attention to brands that I trust. So, and, and especially if they're like local. So I know, um, you know, I, I live in a small town in Colorado and, uh, and by the way, on, on the mass, the person working here, they're behind a big screen and they got a mask on. Right oh yeah. Now. Like, like this late in the game, my God. Oh. But uh, but I think it's mandated at the at the libraries. Uh, I'm not too sure yeah. about that. But, yeah. But no. um, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, in a small town, you okay? So Wyoming has this whole thing about uh, they, a lot of people just don't get, get on board with organic. They're they they hate this organic thing. Even in Laramie, which is a pretty uh, you know friendly, loose, sure. kind of, almost hippie town. Um, so. They, you go into a, a restaurant or something, you say organic. They're like, "Ooh, no, we don't really, we don't do that here." Yeah. And, and it's because the organic thing is pushed so hard, and these people are like down to earth ranchers that are just like, they're yeah, probably well, they're probably organic as much as they can be anyway. They're, yeah, they're exactly. Just, like in their in their reality, like they just that's just what they do. Like they eat food like from their neighbor's garden. They they right. process their own. Meat and it's like it's like well how much more organic can you possibly be yeah and in my town i got a butcher over here and this butcher over here he's right he's right in town i can go in there and trust anything that that guy has in there because i know the dude personally i know where he's getting his meat it's all neighbors it's all this small community and so that's you know if you live in a city despite the fact that your supply chain is is it can crumble in a second and it's on the way uh to get in there but um despite the fact that your supply chain can crumble in a second, where and and, and, and in what quality is the meat arriving to the city? Yeah. Because that's coming from somewhere. They try, they got to transport it. You don't know where it's coming from, how they grew it, what's going on with it. Even if it's labeled organic, if you're, if you're getting chicken, right? They have these uh, organic chicken and uh, 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 they call it free range organic chicken. And it's the same as the non-organic chicken. They're, they're giving them the correct feed, but these chicken end up eating each other in these crazy yeah. dense environments. And um, they're like climbing over each other, shitting on each other. And then you eat that. Yeah. You're eating those eggs and those the, the meat from that chicken. And it's like, what do you think that does to your body? Yeah. You know, it's like everybody got worked up a while back and then it kind of it seemed to like soften out. But when uh, the cow farms start, people start seeing the cow farms and how, uh, you know, terrible they were. There was a bunch of documentaries that came out at the same time. It was like 2008 or something. And a uh, bunch of people got worked up about it. But uh, that's not just cows. And a lot of those cows are the cows you're eating, even if you're getting organic. Yeah. Uh, you just don't know it because you, you don't you don't look into it. Again, that ignorance thing. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so... You got to be very wary of what you eat. And if you live in a small town, you can be. You can choose the neighbor or you can choose to go, you know, we, we have a regular store nearby, you know, uh, 20 miles away. I can go to a, a, a big, somewhat big box store. And in that box store, I can find all the things you find at a Walmart or wherever. And uh, I can go and shop there and, and save a dollar on, on an item. But I would rather be homeless uh broke living on the living in a gutter and eating a pristine piece of meat that i know came from or or whatever it is that and uh 
because if I'm not taking care of my body, if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm consuming things that are going to, uh, uh, hurt me at the, at the, at the beginning, this is the beginning of everything you do in life. So if you start here and you build as much health as you possibly can here, and then you go out in life, um, you, you have to do it in that order. You can't think, oh, I'll get a house and I'll get whatever and I'll do all this stuff and I'll eat shit food, I'll eat ramen until I get there because you're destroying yourself. You're destroying yourself on the way to that ideal. But if you keep yourself healthy, it doesn't matter where you go, you're healthy and um, and you're happy. And maybe that's like the old like monk mentality I have. A lot of people want to have more comfort than I, I care for. So Totally. Yeah, I feel you. Right on, man. Well, I have a couple more things I wanted to ask you um, yeah. before we move on here. So just a little bit longer, if that's all right. So yeah. um, I want to talk about solutions a little bit. I want to extract as many solutions as we can. And then hopefully people will pick up the book. You know, you have it available on both audio or not audiobook, but uh, like a Kindle version. And then you can order a paperback version. So I really and, hope. And soon, soon. And uh, so it's um, the paperback is in color. Soon I'll have a, a cheaper version that'll be black and white. And then I'll also have an audio book get made soon. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, but I'm about to be gone for a month. I'm going out to the uh, annual Rainbow Gathering, which I wanted to oh, nice. out there as well. Uh, it's the longest running anarchist and largest anarchist society, functioning anarchist society in the world. And um, it might not be what everybody's looking for, but I think it's what everyone's looking for. Yeah, so, totally. Uh, Where's that so at? Where's that it's at? In, it's in Colorado this year. Oh. We're going to know specifically in a few days what, what okay. site it's going to be at. But I highly suggest... Um, you know, if you're a freedom minded person, come and check it out. There's a lot of hippie stuff out there, but it's, nice. it's free. It's free people interacting and, and they need people who have, um, who have a lot of knowledge and wisdom on, on, on subjects that, uh, that hippies might not, might not be too deep in. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love that. I'm, dude, I've been in Eugene, Oregon, the last ten years. I'm, I'm, I know all about hippie culture. I love, yeah. it. love it, love it. And in fact, you know what? Like when this all kind of came to fruition, the last two years, like you know, I got really involved in the Freedom Cell movement, and we started doing yeah. meetups, and a lot of people came together, and it's a lot of hippies, dude. Like it's kind of funny. The hippie community kind of had a big divergence, as most. Yeah, people, yeah. yeah. it was like half of them fully bought in and they were like fully blown like mask vaccines and the other half yep. were like, oh hell no so like yep. there's hardcore hippies dude in our little freedom community is badass so yeah um but in, in the interest of discussing some solutions here like one of the i was i was in my uh going through the book <clears throat> in what time that i did i noticed i picked out a few really good solutions that i i picked up on but i wanted to also get your take like like what were some takeaways that you want to convey to the people to uh to to uh you know, offer solutions to people. And one of the biggest ones that resonated with me the most was the idea of the master getting back to the master apprentice type dynamic mm -hmm. in the world. You know, that's something we've strayed mm -hmm. so far from. It's like, it almost is like, like kids that go through school, public school in particular, what's presented to them is the only option is mm -hmm. to get an SAT score and go to, go to college. Right. And that, that's right. it. And anything outside of that is not only crazy and insane, but it's like, you'll have a horrible life with no future whatsoever. And I feel like almost, deprived and i feel kind of just bummed that that solution was never presented to me like go learn a trade like i've always yeah, yeah, yeah. like in my like last 10 years i'm like damn it, i wish when i was like 18 years old i could have gone and become like an apprentice like electrician dude and then by now i could have had my own like electrician business dude and i could be making like major money you know what i mean like like working at google type money you know what i'm saying like but those options are just not communicated to kids at all like like i feel like that is such a huge solution is to, to, to cultivate the master apprentice 
dynamic relationship like in our society more like that would be a huge one that i hope people do but what would be some of your your big uh solutions that you kind of uh walked away from this with so um for the most part uh it's stuff i've already said but but um but really the solutions as i see it is if you don't know who your neighbor is go meet them yeah if you uh don't have a community find one yeah and if you're watching this video and if you if, if you watch videos like this then you're probably already on board to start communicating with the communities that you do get involved with or that you're involved with these types of things so like you really got to spread the message um, and start acting on those words as well so you know get get with community get with people that you trust and that you can love and that you can appreciate and that you can work with really well and um and start doing shit grow that garden really grow the garden that's that's the thing and um <clears throat> if you can grow food if you learn that skill man you're gonna be set yeah. buy buy a you know you can get uh, a lot of seeds you know if you got a thousand dollars okay at any given time and you're like what should i do with this thousand dollars buy seeds and spend time learning how to grow food doesn't matter what happens you're gonna be set you're going to be set and learn how to hunt yeah. and um, learn how to live with people and show respect. So if you can, if you can be uh, dig- dignified in the way that you approach people and you can be confident and, and, and it, it, confidence is different than coming with a, uh, 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 ego. Know. Well, you know, I have an ego, you have an ego, yeah. everybody's got an ego, but it, it's, it's like, I've been called arrogant so many times. And it, it the thing is that, People see a strong person oftentimes as arrogant. And when I come on and I'm really, in, you know, coming on strong, it's because there's something really important. Yeah. If I'm not coming on strong, I'm, I'm going to be silent. I'm going to sit back. But if I feel something really needs to happen, then I, then I come on strong. And then people say, oh, that's arrogance. No, it's, it's a lot of confidence because of experience of life. And uh, if I'm talking about something, I probably know about it. And if I don't know about it, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to listen. So in that same way, if we show respect to those who know something and, and we don't, we sit back and listen. If we have something that we need to convey to better the world around us and better ourselves, then it's confidence also to share. It's confidence to take action and it's strength and it's dignified and it's, it's, there's honor in it. Mm-hmm. So if you, um, if you can find that and you have a community and you can grow food, you can hunt and you got to store, you got to store things put away, right? Yeah. Then, then go on, do what you like to do because you're set now and yeah. you can do what you like to do in that community. So, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you can do that. Just learn how to do these other things too and start really integrating them into your life. Yeah. Integrate gardening into your life. Make it a part of you. Yeah. I've grown watermelon in a in a sand desert, like 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 with with an inch of just straight moon dust. I've grown watermelon, and <laughs> and if you can do that, doesn't matter. Doesn't wow, matter what comes. Doesn't matter what comes. You can you can do a lot. You can do a lot. We can. China right now is transforming deserts. You know, mm. In ten year time frames, it's transforming deserts into rice paddy, crack dry desert like friggin' really yeah. gone. You you know we we would look at that here and be like, oh man. It's gone. Yeah. No, they're transforming into rice patties. Wow, that's intense. <laughs> Ten years. Yeah. And, you know, we look at China, and but they're doing a lot of really good stuff. 
just like a lot of places around the world are doing great things. And we need to look at those great things and yeah. not focus on all the shit that comes in. Yeah, totally, dude. It's that's that's huge, man. Like not get trapped in the fear porn or the black pill stuff. Like, you know, it's fun to delve in that. And I love I mean, I love educating myself about this stuff and like getting the historical context around it, which, you know, I know your book is a very uh, great instrument for that. But then also taking that information and using it to better ourselves and, and to move forward and uh, to find solutions and stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. And so, I, I, if I can, I want to comment on the, um, shortly on the um, yeah. master apprentice model too. Because, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so somebody introduced me to uh, uh, John Taylor Gatto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh man, I read his books. So amazing and insightful. And in, and one thing that really caught me was this: he he experimented with these kids. He he put them with journeymen, so he would like send them to an electrician. And he wouldn't tell the school. He would be like doing this with the parents, send them to an electrician, a plumber, uh, you know, whatever. He'd send them to people to learn, architects, whatever. And seriously, stop sending your kids to schools. Just take them out of the school. Introduce them to the local plumber when they're, you know, 12 or something. And, and also John Taylor Gatto says it's something like 56 days is how long it takes for a kid to learn arithmetic and mm -hmm. reading and writing and all that stuff, because you find the moment when they're passionate to do so. And then they guide the education themselves. And I'm doing this with my child, my child, when she asks me to do something, I'm going to give her all that I can, all that I have knowledge of in that field, because she's asking for it. If I try to enforce, you have to you have to learn algebra because you're this age now. I'm I'm putting her through a, a system of uh, all I'm teaching her is that I'm an authority, and she has to do what I say. The rest of it is going to be washed away. It's it's going to be gone the next year or the uh, ten years down the road. The kid has to be passionate, and if you introduce them to the journeyman and, and reintroduce this this kind of you do it yourself you you bring them to whatever whatever it is show them what an architect does and if you can start to make these arrangements on your own if you live in a, a local kind of environment you can do this introduce them to the right people good people that could teach them and then you know they won't be able to get certified unless they go to college but if you start them off on the right hand they'll go to that college and they'll They'll ace it in two years or whatever, and they'll be certified. So, I mean, they'll learn a lot more this way than by going to school. School is terrible, terrible. Yeah. Besides, all these kids get shot in schools. Take them out. There's that too. Take them out of school. Yeah, God. That's probably Same. one of the biggest things that I think a lot of people have woken up to is the last couple of years is that the schools are the source of so much of this uh, dark agenda. And so, yeah, get your kids out, man. There's lots yeah. of different ways to do it. Yeah. 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 And what do schools look like? They look like modern day prisons. You look at a jail and a school side by side, modern day jails. Yeah. They look exactly the same. You can't look in a window at a school anymore because it's the black coating. Yeah. And it's the same like a jail. Yeah. And and the, the windows are like fucking uh what's that called? Shatterproof glass kind yeah. of shit. It's like that all is teaching them. That's teach it's 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 educating the way that they view life. It has nothing to do with math. It has nothing to do with their reading skills. It has nothing to do with the history they're learning. Is not because none of that. None of that shit matters. A lot of it's false anyway. 
But what it, what it's doing is it's educating them how to view and experience life. Every time the bell rings, I got to stand up. The authority is telling me I'm not allowed to chew gum or look at my phone or do whatever it is that I'm doing. So I can't do it. And they'll take my things if I don't listen to them. And they'll put me in a little prison called the, uh, what do they call it? Uh, uh, after school, when you do something wrong, they push oh, you in detention. They put you in detention yeah. and they, yeah, I mean, it's a detail. Ah, man. Yeah. So, so what is that teaching that is teaching them to be the slaves that, you know, so many people are today that yeah. just authority said something, I got to yeah. do it. I'll get my comfort. If I do that, I'll get my, my reward if I do that. So, um, you know, you gotta get your kid out of school and you gotta, you know, don't vaccinate them. No. Put them with good people, put them in community, yeah. teach them, teach them the ways. So uh, that's it. Teach them what you know, but allow everyone else in the community to teach them what they know and let the kid decide because you don't own that kid. You're just a caretaker, just like you're a caretaker of the, the land that you live and work on. Someday you're going to be bones feeding that land. And someday your kids will be bones feeding that land. Yeah. But you don't own either your kids or the land or anyone else. You're your own person. Nobody owns you either. So take a, a, a deep look at yourself and, and see, am I treating my children as sovereign beings? And, and is that how they're going to live their life with the confidence of a sovereign being? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's powerful, man. All right. I got one more question for you. So yeah. um, I've done a little bit of creative writing myself. I've done some writing myself. So I kind of understand the process. And one of the things I've learned is that, uh, and I've actually had a few authors and I typically always ask this question, but like uh, what I've noticed is that like where I set off when my, when I, when I sit down to write something, like usually the destination or where I arrive is a lot different. It kind of evolves and takes on a life of its own and takes you in a direction. Maybe you didn't necessarily anticipate. So in writing this amazing book, what are some things that you learned in the process? Like what is some, what is probably the biggest thing that you learned in the writing of this book? So I get really influenced by the people around me. I I'm, um, I'm a, I'm a chameleon, but I, I, so I, I just, I kind of, I take in a lot from the people around me and I, I synthesize it and put it in, into uh, whatever I'm doing. Yeah. So writing this book, I was living in Boulder, Colorado, which it's a hippie town sort of, but it's changed a lot. It's still changing. And there's a lot of money coming in. That's, it, I mean, Pfizer's got like a HQ in Boulder. Jeez. It's it, there, There's a lot, there's a lot going on there, but, um, but I lived there before, COVID. But um, so I'm writing this book. I, every day I'm in this cafe because I, I, I like being around a lot of people. It fills my mind with a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And um, I'm sitting in this cafe and, and I'm writing about uh, uh, like I, I wrote a huge portion of, uh, of the book uh, at that time. And, and uh, I'm writing about these very liberal kind of constructs and like diving into them and in some ways it was kind of um like like the the green energy act or whatever aoc the whatever that was going on uh back then so i somehow found found myself in support of it because um and i realized this because i was around the wrong people and it was filling my head and i was just kind of channeling it into the writing and so reading it again i'm like what the hell did i just write and so I had to move my body away from these people. So this is a, this is an example of some wisdom that I'm putting out there. If you're around the wrong people, it, it influences you. Yeah. And uh, I got away from them. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden in my head started coming. Oh, 
the green energy thing is just a transfer of money. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and I can explain it. So I'm going to type this thing out. And all of a sudden I got 10 pages of, of how money transfers globally happen after uh, extreme bills get passed or extreme events happen like 9-11. All of a sudden money. So um, so a lot of stuff um, that I've changed with the book has been based on uh, as it's been progressing around the people I'm, I'm around. So um, and I don't talk to these people. I just sit. I just sit next to them. And uh, so. You know, I'm not going to write a book sitting next to the KKK or, or sure. you know, Wahhabi Islamist or uh, people wearing masks these days. Uh, you know, it's um, who you put yourself around really influences you. So, the, so this book wasn't just written by me. Yeah. Um, this book was written by uh, over a decade of, of very deep conversations with lots of people. Um, listening to speakers who uh, like Richard Gage, uh, like listening to people who have this knowledge that that they just, you know, getting, getting the downloads and being able to put puzzle pieces together over time that other people can't because they have to work. So because I've had the time and the energy and the, the focus um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of us out there that do that. That, that put these things together because this is what we focus on. There's a lot of really good journalists, Derek Bros. So, I mean, it's just people putting things together. And so we're talking about a decade of deep, intensive work and all that stuff informs this book. All the people I've been around informs this book. And I, I even put in there, I'm writing this for, um, I think I put, I'm writing this for the homosexual gun toting Muslim immigrant who faces, um, every day, these prejudices from everyone. Yeah. From everyone that they that that is around them, they're going to face a prejudice. That's what this book is for, because <laughs> because we're all facing that. We're all facing that. It's 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 all around us all the time. People being prejudiced of us. And uh, and this book is nothing to do with those prejudices or those biases. It's, it's written by uh, a lot of people. It's not just me. I, I consider myself just to be the, the, the hand or whatever. And, and there's a lot of stuff that other people have done work for for decades. For longer than decades, Alexander Omar wrote in 1890. I mean, this stuff has a lineage, and it's it's the truth. That's so, awesome, man. Lineage of truth. Yeah. Man, I'm getting a coughing spell here. I apologize. <laughs> Brutal. All right. I guess that's my signal to wrap it up here. Man, right all right. Um, all right, brother. Tell us how we can get, get a copy of the book. This is, this is good stuff, and I really hope everybody uh, goes out and gets a copy. Okay, if you go, I mean, if you just type "unveiling a better world" into Amazon, it'll come right up, just like that. Um, if you have the Kindle Pass or whatever they call it, uh, the book is free, and you can you can read it. And also, if you push the "look inside" button right there, you can read the entire chapter on government right away. So you you can get a big glimpse of what the book is about right away if you if you click "look inside." And then um, the the paperback version I have right now because I printed color is twenty five fifty and if you in, in a little bit I'll have uh, a black and white version that'll be considerably cheaper and then um, I'm getting my website up which is www.coreyhag.com and I'm waiting a little bit to actually put it up because I'm, I'm uh, making a crypto option available on there it's taking me a minute I'm not too tech savvy uh, when it comes to like building websites and whatnot but um, 
So you can find it on Amazon soon. You can find it on, on my website and purchase it with crypto. And then I'm also ordering a very large amount of books myself. And uh, that means that you'd be able to get them a little bit cheaper from me uh, through my website and uh, through some other places. I'll, I'll be around. Um, I do a lot of events and things like that. So, Dude, that's awesome. Perfect. Yeah, man, I love it. So <clears throat> everybody go get a copy today, even a Kindle version. <clears throat> Order a paperback. You know, you know, in this crazy world, we're going to want a paperback copies of our books you know what i mean like we're, it's not, the digital option may not always be available in other words so and and before i before i wrote this book i thought oh you know i'll probably make like you know the printing cost times two i'll probably make that amount. i make two dollars on a 25 dollar book Please. so um you know it's it's out of uh you know it, it doesn't earn me much money it's it's not about that and yeah. um if you want to support me you you know you can send me crypto anytime and i'll, I'll keep working and putting out content uh yeah. through through writing and, and I'm, I'm trying to get involved in like social media stuff too but that i'm, I'm not really too for that's not so much for me but yeah. but um but the books i'll keep putting stuff out there so if you want to support me i mean just get in contact with me and, and maybe right. we can even collaborate on something we can yeah. do events we can do whatever it is you want that's awesome. What, what would be the best way to get a hold of you then? Um, I'm on every kind of thing out there at this point. I'm even on, if you look up my name, Corey David Haig or Corey D. Haig or Corey Haig on any social media, you find me. If you, if I'm on LinkedIn uh, for professional stuff. I'm, I'm on uh, Facebook, but don't contact me there because I probably won't answer. I hate Facebook, um, but I'm on Telegram, which is now censoring me, uh, by the way. Um, really? Yeah, which is an interesting thing. I just found out today that they're censoring me a little bit, but yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so I'm on Telegram. Um, I'm on. I'm on. I'm on all things. You, you can reach me anywhere. Corey David Haig. Cool. I put links in the <clears throat> description to your Instagram and Twitter. So hopefully, people cool. Can yeah. Out. So awesome, yeah. man. Well, brother, thank you so much, and uh, thanks for in the chat. Choir Boy's been hanging out in the chat on Rockfin, and anybody else that's been hanging out with us. Appreciate you guys all so much, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time. Peace.